Welcome to the Lewis Jonker Podcast. Lewis is a speaker, storyteller, preacher and poet. Hope you get something out of this talk. There is an ancient story. Perhaps you've heard it. Near the beginning of time, the people of earth banded together. And at this point in time, everyone shared the same language and they desired to make a name for themselves. And so they decided, let us build a city with a tower that reaches the heavens. See, these people, they thought that they could achieve glory and fame on their own terms and believed they could reach heaven by the works of their own hands. But God wasn't impressed. See, God understood that no mortal could reach heaven on their own and no mortal deserves the glory and honour reserved for God alone. So he scattered the people. He stopped their build and he confused their languages. And this story, of course, is found in Genesis 11 and is known as the Tower of Babel. Perhaps, uh, perhaps you've heard it. And despite being one of the oldest pieces of Scripture, it seems that we are slow to learn. We are still trying to make a name for ourselves. We're still trying to build towers. And we still think that we can reach the heavens by the works of our own hands. It seems human nature to think we are in control and that we can do it on our own. And we so easily forget our God. (laughs) And at the risk of sounding discouraging, I have news for you. When it comes to reaching heaven, you can't do it. We see lots of ads, whether it be the ComBank ad, you can do it. Well, not when it comes to reaching heaven. We've, I've, I work in schools, I work in a youth group, and I'm often very encouraging in a lot of circumstances, but when it comes to reaching heaven, you can't do it. And I wonder if you've ever had a moment in your life where you've been trying and 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 you've cried out to God, I can't do it. I wonder if God was said, would say to you, no, on your own, you can't do it. And I want to unpack that a little bit today. There is no work you can do, no project you can complete, no course you can pass, and no tower you can build to reach heaven. You just can't do it. And uh, today we're in Ephesians 2. Ephesians is an awesome book. It's pretty short. You can read it in like in a very short amount of time. And uh, I've had a lot of preachers in my life that I've really looked up to who really, really love the book of Ephesians. One of them, his name was Tim Hall. He was like, he, he, I guess in the Pentecostal world, you'd call him some, you know, like a healing evangelist or something like that. I really, really respected this guy. And the reason I respected this guy is because I, I used to be in a, in a world where, I, you know, I used to sometimes get to meet the guest preachers and this guy was the most normal of the lot of them. I've met a lot of different guest preachers and some of them aren't normal. (laughs) And some of them drive cars that are way too expensive. No offence to them if you own a good car. But this guy was so normal. Tim Hall was so normal. And we'd get in the car and he'd talk to me about normal things. Some of the guest preachers you'd get in the car with would be so whacked out with their conversations. But this guy was normal and I loved it. Actually, he wasn't too normal. I remember one time we were driving through Macca's drive through and he thought this would be the perfect time to pull a prank on me. So he started using funny voices, yelling over the car window, ordering these burgers. He was just the most normal, funny guy. I've heard a lot of interesting stories about Tim Hall. And one time he was like, Lewis, you're always driving around the guest speakers and guest preachers. 
you know, you, they're always making you do work. Just come over, come back to where I'm staying and we'll do a Bible study together. And I was like, oh, Tim Hall, the great man of God. I get to do a Bible study with Tim Hall, the great man of God, because, you know, I used to look up to these guys. And we're sitting there and he opens his Bible to Ephesians. And it's just like highlighted upon highlighted, like all the colors of the rainbow. It's like there wasn't a word that wasn't highlighted. It was unbelievable. And it was the book of Ephesians. And he told me, he said, you know, when I guess preach in some places, I don't even prepare a sermon because I know Ephesians back to front. And sometimes I'll rock up and I'll just trust God that he'll let me open to the right page of Ephesians. And he'll go, oh, we're in Ephesians 6. And he'd do his Ephesians 6 sermon. It was amazing. Ephesians is a great book. There's so much in it, and it's so beautiful on its own. And to be honest with you, when it was my turn to speak in this AM service on the book of Ephesians, I read the passage that I'm going to read today, and I thought to myself, it is so beautiful on its own. How could I possibly do it justice to expand it into a full-length sermon? I'd almost rather just get up, read you the words, and leave stage. Sadly, that's not what I'm paid for. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 2 Jeez, that would make life a lot easier though I can tell you that right now No one could complain about your preaching It's like, I just read the Bible Take it up with God Ephesians 2 As for you You were dead in your transgressions and sins In which you used to live When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one point in time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of this great love for us, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God, would you you speak through me today and would you help me do this passage justice? And uh, through all I say, God, would... uh, Would the church here today be able to eat the fish and spit out the bones, just in case? Just in case. And would they go home and would they read it for themselves? This week, would they read Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, like seven times, 70 times, seven times? Would they just get it in their spirits, get it in their hearts and uh, know more of you? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read this uh, passage in parts, so I want to go through it in sort of a few different parts and, and stop in different, as opposed to a three-point sermon, I sort of want to go through the passage and stop in different parts that I think are relevant, and um, I, th- I think that's the method I'm going to take today, and then I have a prop that I want to get out, which I'm quite excited for, and it's, it's, it's going to be a good time. So here we go. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which you used to live as you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I know there's been a lot of Bible studies this week reading this passage, and we can get so caught up on this ruler of the kingdom of the air. But uh, just in very short, I do want to tell you there is an enemy, there is a darkness, there is, there is a prince of the kingdom of the you know there, there are evil forces against us and you know what we are warring against that there is always a spiritual battle going on but I remember I was sitting in a bible study with one of my old pastors I must have been 17 18 and the bible study was all about angels and demons which is great content for a 17 year old kid next next term at youth we're doing angels and demons what a great term topic and I remember we were sitting in this Bible study and it got so heated. When we talk about things like angels and demons and Satan, all these different, you know, sort of interesting ideologies, people get so heated and so energetic. And I wonder if some of the Bible studies this week have been that way. And it's so interesting because the pastor, I really need to learn from this pastor because this pastor knew how to keep his mouth shut. I let my mouth run. It's my, the worst thing I could possibly do. Sometimes I just need to learn to sit and be quiet. And the pastor sat and was quiet. And everyone argued and everyone was talking about angels and demons and what are they and do they exist and how do they appear and what do they do to us? And, and he just sat back the whole study. And right at the end, when there's like two minutes left, he opens his mouth and he says... We've had lots of interesting conversations about angels and demons tonight. But I want to tell you, for those in Christ Jesus, Christ is much bigger than any of them. Both angels and demons. He's much more powerful. He redeemed you. And for you, that is what you need to worry and focus on. On Christ Jesus. And it just hit me, because I love a deep theological argument and conversation. But I tell you what, Jesus is above it all. Nonetheless, there is dark forces working against us. There are two climbs. Let me get my prop. The workplace health and safety rep just had a heart attack. They're like, Lewis, what are you doing? It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Two climbs. I want to talk about the first climb now in this first part of the passage. You were dead in your sin and you were following the ways of the world. And I looked up the Greek for ways of the world because I had this whole thing of it's like, you know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. He's the way. We don't follow the ways of the world. We follow the ways of Jesus. And it was going to be a really great sermon point, but it turns out the two translations of the word way don't actually match so it would be in uh, it would be inaccurate for me to make that distinction but what the word ways means it actually means age it actually means time frame so he's saying you follow the the age the age of the world and the physical world itself that's what this passage is talking about. You followed the age of the world and the physical world itself. And we were all on this climb. It says all of us at one point in time were in this climb. And it started when you were a baby, the first time that you ever said no to a parent. Please give that thing back to me. No. That's when it started. We were all there at one stage. And we started this climb, this climb following the age of the world. I looked up some, some things right now that are the age of the world. I looked up the number one song on Spotify. 
And any time I've ever tried to make this point in a church service, it's always worked because the number one on Spotify song is always terrible. And so I just looked it up this morning and let me read you some lyrics from the number one song on Spotify. Cocaine and drinking with your friends. You live in the dark, boy, I cannot pretend. I'm not phased, I'm only here to sin. That's the number one song in Australia at the moment. Guess what? You youth are listening to it and you're like, no, I've got parental controls on our Spotify account. Yeah, but their friends at school don't. Sorry, 73 of you just decided to homeschool your children. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) This is the number one song. People love it. I walk through Narara Valley High School where I get to be a scripture teacher one day a week due to the great work of Insight High School Ministries, which our our church supports. And I walk through the high school and they got their boom boxes and their speakers and they're playing these songs. And it's like I'm sitting there like, whoa, check out the age of this world. And it's the number one song because people download it. It's crazy. So we're all on this climb, right? All different sorts of things. And sometimes the age of this world, they can look like positive things, but they're not always positive things. It's so interesting, the age of this world. You know, you cannot... Social justice movements are very important. And we should support some of the social justice movements that are happening in the world right now. Some of the social justice movements are good, but the social justice movements cannot save the world. And every, all those different things that people get around, this rally, this march, this flag, essentially it's a climb that leads to nowhere. Because ultimately, even though those things are good, they cannot save the world. It's a climb to nowhere. And in some ways it's heartbreaking because I see young people who get so invested in social justice movements but forget the king of justice. And my encouragement to you as parents would certainly be this. There's a lot of social justice movements and my one encouragement to the parents in the room would be when your children get involved in social justice movements, as they rightfully should, I would, as parents, encourage them to do their research on those social justice movements properly because there is so much false information in the world and it's important that when we get behind social justice movements they are uh, that they are in line or at least they are bringing you know truth in itself and not just false headlines that would be my one piece of encouragement then in your sins I, I mean this is the corporate rat race this is the trying to save enough money to retire with two mil or whatever your number happens to be in your head. We've all got a different one. This is trying to get a better education. This is trying to, it's all the stairway to heaven. My, <laughs> my family always talks about, you can't take nothing with you when you go. My parents say that when they're trying to talk about the reasons they're spending all my inheritance. <laughs> and at least they're having fun while they're alive. Because I tell you what, at one stage, my, my family, like even my daddy is all about like saving. He even, he even contacts me often. He's like, what are you saving? You know, have you, are you saving something for your house? To put? And all these things are good. We know all these things are good. I'm not saying all these things are bad, but it's like if you're just caught up in this world of climbing the corporate ladder, getting a better education, if you're just caught up in this world, if this is what you live for, it is a pathway to nowhere. It's a climb to nothing. And that is the first climb. 
Perhaps you're in that climb. It's also sin. It's also lust. I mean, I, I've definitely climbed this ladder at some point in my life. And it's like, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, sin being like a dog returning to its vomit. It's like, for some reason, we just can't get off the ladder. It's like one thing after the other, climbing this, climbing this, following the ways of the world, all the different bad things, climbing this, climbing this, climbing this, climbing this. I remember one pastor said, you don't want to spend your whole life climbing a ladder of success to realise it was leaning against the wrong wall. That's the first climb. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Wrath is <laughs> wrath's a full-on word, isn't it? And um, I even I struggle with this as a youth pastor. Like when I see youth, my heart, you know, my heart and my soul. It's just like uh, at this point in time, I know I'm on the earth to make youth feel loved and and at home and safe and whatnot. And I even struggle as a youth pastor. You have to understand it's a struggle for us who preach because I read verses like this that talk about wrath and it's like, how can I tell a youth that and still be encouraging? It's actually a struggle. And the truth is it's right there in the Word of God. When we're climbing this ladder, when we're on this path, we are in essence deserving of wrath because God is so just and so good. This ladder is essentially a direction away from him. That word wrath has so many different connotations, but this is what it means. When you're on this path, when you're walking away from God, when you are actively walking away from God, you are becoming more and more separated from him. You're becoming more and more distant from him. And you're walking away from all the goodness and all the beauty and all the great things he has for you. And you're walking down a path where he's not. And where God is not, there is complete and utter depravity and darkness. It's not so much, you know. And I'm here to say to you, let's go back to God. Deserving of wrath. But because of his, but, oh, I love this, but, that's a big but right there. But, he talks about wrath, and this is where the encouragement comes in. But, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is grace by you have been, you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is through God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And thus the second climb. And this is the climb of self-righteousness. This is the climb where it's like you go away, you know, you decide, okay, I don't want to climb this um, sin ladder anymore. You sort of get a revelation. Maybe you, you end up in a dark place and you're like, okay, I understand that's not good. You get a taste of God's love and mercy and you're like, that's a lot better. And so you get off and you decide, okay, the first thing a lot of people do, and I did this, I've climbed both these ladders, is go straight to self-righteousness. 
well, now I'm better than everyone over there because my ladder's on this side. (laughs) Self-righteousness. And so we climb this as it's like, look at me reading my Bible. Look at me praying every day. Look at how much scripture I've memorized. Oh, I know more than everyone else. And from up here, it's a great way to look down on everyone else. Well, I went to Bible college. Look at you all down there. The ladder of self-righteousness. Martin Luther, and I don't have a, a picture of him today, but Martin Luther is a big part of Protestant church history. And I was forced to learn it as a Lutheran. And I think it should be common knowledge in somewhat. So I want to give you a brief recap of the history of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a, was a guy who lived a long time ago. And in this day, in, in this point, the, the word Catholic means universal. So at this point, there was the universal church because there was only one denomination, well, apart from the you know, Eastern Orthodox and whatnot. But essentially in the Western world, you have this one Catholic church, this one universal church. And they do a lot of different things. At this point in time, for the first 1,500 years of Christianity, there was no printing press, which means people didn't have access to the Bible. In fact, it wasn't even translated into common speech, which meant you had to be very, very educated to read it in the first place. So for the first 1,500 years of Christianity, there wasn't proper access to Scripture. It was just the the Catholic church. And, And Martin Luther lived in this day and age, And he decided, okay, um, you know, he was an educated guy. He was the oldest of all his brothers and sisters. And his dad really, really wanted him to become a lawyer. Like, you're going to make the family proud. So he went to law school and he tried law school. He stayed there for a little bit. And he just thought, okay, this is just a college. Everyone parties and drinks. And he's had some strong words about that college. And he decided to leave law school because he was more interested in philosophy. So instead of doing law, he signed up for philosophy. And he's in his philosophy course and he's, he, you know, back in his days, it's horse and buggy and he's riding his horse. And in one of his travels, a storm hits. And the storm is, is a massive storm, lightning, thunder, terrifying. And he's out on his horse in the middle of nowhere. And he starts praying to God, God, if you stop this storm, I'll devote my life to you. And the storm ends. And now he has to actually go through with it. Haven't made one of those deals with God. And so he decides, okay, I'm going to become a monk. So he leaves, law, he leaves college and he becomes a monk and his dad is obviously very upset with him. And as a monk, he does a lot of different stuff. Uh, he goes to confession every day. You know, he's on the ladder. He goes to confession every day. Look at me, I'm a monk now. I shaved my head funny. He goes to confession every day. He reads his Bible every day. He goes to Mass over and over again. He takes Holy Communion. He's on the ladder of self-righteousness to the point where he would do his own self-punishment. I am so wretched and so bad. You've probably seen it in movies, you know, the scenes where they whip themselves. God is so good, it's like, and I'm so bad, I deserve punishment, so I'm going to punish myself, even to the point where he is whipping himself because he's so self-righteous. Look at me. I know I'm bad, so I'm going to whip myself to try and appease God. A ladder of self-righteousness until one day he actually reads his Bible 
and not just like reading it for knowledge, but reading it for truth. And as he starts going through his scriptures, he starts seeing that, oh, all this stuff isn't quite right. At this point in time, the Catholic Church was even selling indulgences, which essentially meant you could pay money so that people would be released from purgatory and would go to heaven and not hell. That's what this is. the And it was all to build, you know, one of the big cathedrals. And he was looking at this going, that can't be right. It can't be what we do. It can't be because I whip myself. It can't be because when the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. That was their own marketing campaign. <laughs> it can't be because of that. He starts reading Romans. He starts reading books like Ephesians. And he starts to realize that it's not by the works of our hands. It says it right here. For it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. Bible reading is good. I would encourage people every day of the week to read their Bible. But if it's just for your self-righteousness, it's not going to work. Praying is good. I'd encourage people to pray unceasingly, not only every day. But hey, if it's just for self-righteousness, it's a ladder to nowhere. If it's just for the ability to judge others, it's a ladder to nowhere. If it's just so that you can feel high and mighty on your high horse, an idiom here that means in the olden days, people used to buy high horses so they'd feel better than everyone else. If it's just to be on your high horse, it's a ladder to nowhere. The two climbs. I've been on both climbs. I wonder which climb you are on. I wonder which one of these climbs relates to you most. Maybe you're on the climb of following the ways of the world. Whether those things be good or bad, it's just that you haven't quite put Jesus first. Or maybe you're on the climb of self-righteousness where, where instinctively you know a lot of this stuff I do because I feel pressured to do it in myself and because of what others have spoken over me in my Christian journey. I wonder which ladder you are climbing. But there's a beautiful part to the story. And we sort of find it in the middle here. Where it says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is grace you have been saved through faith. I am so grateful for my upbringing. Because my upbringing really instilled in me uh, the, the tenets of by faith alone, by grace alone, by scripture alone, by God's, God's glory alone. It, it, my upbringing, I was lucky enough to have that really instilled in me. Even though sometimes it was like the ladder of self-righteousness, like even going to my confirmation classes. Look at me, I'm doing confirmation classes. I'm actually very grateful for all the teaching I got in those spaces because it really instilled in me that it wasn't by my works. And it really instilled in me that when I was on the ladder of uh, uh, sin and all this stuff, I could always come back to God or just rest in his grace and his mercy. When I was following the ways of the world, you know, like in, in it's so funny, in John 
1, and this is quite intense, John 1, 2, 15, we don't preach this often. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. That is so full on. And I know I've loved the stuff of the world. And then I know I became self-righteous. I took the judgment seat of God and I judged others. I was just saying to someone before the service, I really need to text my old youth pastor and apologise for all the hell I gave them. Because I tell you what, when I was a 19-year-old youth leader, my goodness, did I have some opinions on the way the youth pastor should be doing things. <laughs> I re- I'm, I'm going to text him after this service. I'm just going to say, hey, mate, I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> Oh, but it's by the grace of God. We think we need to build towers. If we want to reach heaven, we've got to build a tower. We've got to do it. We've got to build our ladder. We've got to climb. We've got to climb. We've got to climb. But the only way that we can reach heaven is through God, because the truth of the story is this. God, Jesus, fully God, left his heavenly home, came down from heaven, entered our community. He showed us how to truly live. And upon himself, he took the wrath that we deserved. That wrath that it talks about back up a little bit. Jesus bore it upon himself. He came down from heaven. He's like, you know, all the righteous, all the Pharisees, all the righteous people were so far up the ladder, they saw him coming down. And then they started looking down on him. Like, that Jesus character, he's, he's, that was so far up their ladder. They're like, look at this guy. He's not following the Sabbath. How dare he heal someone on a Saturday? And what Jesus seemingly does, he goes over to this side of the ladder and he's like, come down, come down, come down, come down, come down. And it's in moments of humility that we, both the people climbing this side and this side, need to go, okay, I'm going to stop the climb and I'm going to surrender. I'm going to sit at your feet. I'm going to understand that I don't need to do any climbing, I don't need to do any work, I don't need to... I just need to accept the fact that you came down. You took all the wrath, all the punishment... So that when the end comes for me, it's not really the end at all. It's just the start of eternity. I wonder which ladder you are climbing. And I wonder if you have a full understanding of what Jesus did for us when he left heaven. And he said, no more climbing, no more striving. Come sit at my feet. We're going to do our communion today. 
And it's in communion that we get to take a moment to remember. We get to remember that, hey, once I was climbing this ladder of sin and I deserved wrath, but Jesus paid it all and he called me down off the ladder. And I get to remember that all my self-righteousness, it's like, oh, actually, I didn't do anything. Jesus did it all on the cross. And it's a moment that we get to come and we get to sit at Jesus' feet and we get to surrender and kneel and remember what he did for us. And remember that we no longer have to climb. A beautiful moment of remembrance. I could just sit and remember all day. I grieve that our communion moments only last for five minutes on Sunday once a month. So I try to bring it into my week with me because I could remember all day. God, thank you that you call us off our ladder. Thank you that called me off my ladder of sin following the ways of the world. And thank you that you're constantly teaching me to come off my ladder of self-righteousness. Thank you that you did it all on the cross. I've got nothing to boast about but to boast in you. At the end of the passage, it says that we were, you know, called to do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. And the rest of the book of Ephesians will cover some of that stuff. But it's so amazing that when we come off our ladder, then God says, okay, now you can come to work with me. And we're going to unpack that a bit in, in later chapters. But you don't need to climb anymore. If you're someone that feels incredible pressure and stress to climb the ladder of self-righteousness, I know youth often feel it. I often get messages like, oh, I don't feel like I'm reading my Bible. I don't feel like I'm praying enough. It's like this, I just don't want you to feel that anymore. And if you're on the ladder of following the ways of the world and instinctively you hear those lyrics of that song and you go, yeah, I've played that a few times in my car. You go, I don't want to live like that anymore. God is saying... Come on down. Come on down from your ladder. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for the people in the room who this message has spoken to. I pray that you would help us down off our ladder. I pray for us that according um, self-righteousness and pressure and stress and we need our run sheet, we need, our, we, need our, we need it all to be in line, we need it all to be in order, we need it all to be, we need our prayer time, we need our, we need our Bible reading time we need, and other people should be doing it too. Why aren't other people doing it too? If, if we're stressed or worried or anxious, God, would you come and calm us? Call us off our ladder of self-righteousness. And if we're in that moment, if we, if we just this morning, we go, yeah, I am done with that old dusty ladder of sin God, thank you that you welcome us into your arms. Thank you that you took our wrath upon yourself. Bring us to more revelation of your love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.